could not better be, better be, better be. It could not possibly, no, sir, Songs could not gayer be, sound your dough. Re o mi, re mi fa so la ha si, fa la 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 fa lo mi, why be gloomy? That was the opening musical number from The Court Jester, released in 1955, starring Danny Kaye, Glynis Johns, Basil Rathbone, a very young-looking Angela Lansbury, and many more, a cast of hundreds of people uh, in this movie. John Carradine is in this movie, too. I really like him. Um, That's right, he is. He's the, uh, he's the Giacomo that gets bumped off. Yeah, he's not in it for very long, but he's in it for a minute. <laughs> We're never sure what happens to old no. Giacomo. Yeah, he just disappears. Like, where did he go? Did they kill him? I don't know. They maybe threw him off the cliff or something. So, yeah, you're listening to uh, Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the Internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net or in iTunes, just search for Classic Movie Reviews, or in Facebook, same thing. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews, and you'll find us there. And I'm Matt Johnson, coming to you from warm and unusually sunny Seattle. And this is Bob Johnson coming to you from cloudy and in the 60 degrees, Los Angeles, headed toward rain. So we've flip-flopped our weather. Yeah, it was 73 degrees here on Saturday, which was crazy. I, I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say I put my Christmas lights up on my house because I figured that would be the last day I could do it when it wouldn't be raining and cold. But I'm not going to turn them on until after Thanksgiving. Probably a good idea. Otherwise, you'll they'll think you're selling something. <laughs> I thought I could maybe turn it into like a Halloween theme, like Nightmare Before Christmas, and have them on. And uh, yeah. it's too much too much work, though. So uh, this podcast we're doing the Court Jester from nineteen from nineteen fifty five, and I love this movie. It's one of the best comedies. I have a quote here. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, well, now I can't. Oh, yeah, Leonard Moulton. And I quote, One of the best comedies ever made. I would have to agree. It's really good. It is really funny. And the Rotten Tomatoes are 96%. Holy smokes. It's a parody of a lot of uh, movies from this period that, that were the period pieces, like during the the monarchy and the knighthoods and all that. Was this a popular genre in the in the mid fifties where they had a lot of like uh, period pieces of medieval? Oh, England? yeah, even back into the thirties with Robin Hood, and then there was Ivanhoe and all kinds of Robert Taylor movies and Errol Flynn movies and Stuart Granger. Lots of yeah, there were a lot of them. Well, I guess they're still they're still pretty popular, right? Because they are. The the thing that's unusual about this, a lot of those were made by uh, Metro Golden Mayor. This one, I think, is a Paramount picture, but um, it's got so many pieces to it. Uh, just a little background: it was written and directed by Melvin Frank and Norman Panama, and boy, they were they were probably among the very best uh, writers ever. Some of the movies they did, 
Mr. Blandings Builds His Dream House from 1948, White Christmas from 1954, Road to Utopia from 1946, and on and on and on. And, and, the, and the writing, every time I watch this, it just cracks me up. Get it? Got it? Good. I bid you welcome. I am Ravenhurst. <laughs> Ravenhurst. Ravenhurst? Uh, the real Ravenhurst? What? Uh, I mean, does the king know? Does the king know about you being the real Ravenhurst? Keep your chest for the king. Don't stand there gaping. You, Fergus, and the others, get the justice bags. You've arrived not a moment too soon. When do we start? Tonight. Good. I'd like to get in, get on with it, get it over with, and get out. Get it? Got it. Good. <laughs> uh, even now I laugh. Yeah, there's some tongue twisters. It's it's really funny, and, and they pull it off. I'm... It's amazing. They really do, and it, it, it doesn't really drag along at any point. <laughs> there was some weird dancing at the beginning when he plays, uh, he's playing the Robin Hood character, and there's all these people dancing, and they all dress the, the same. I forget the name of the character that he's trying to dance. Uh, the something fox, the black, is it the black fox or the, yeah, black fox. The black fox. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was there was some great uh, editing there because there was a point, or I'm not even sure if it was editing or just like great choreography, where it, it looks like he's dancing with some full-grown men, and then all of a sudden, actually, it was like a, a troop of little people standing on each other's uh, shoulders, and they, they jumped down, and I was like, whoa! That's something. Another nice dance scene was when they they're going to knight him later in the movie, and they put him on fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> so they could they could get it so he could do the uh the duel against the bad guy. Was that the dance scene where they had those people moving in like precision order? Yeah. <laughs> I read that they that was an actual like military troop that they brought in that had was like a precision marching troop. I read that. Yeah. Yes, from I think it was from Canada. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it's like I, I'm having a hard time holding it together here. <laughs> uh, it was just it's, Robert Middleton. R- Middleton is going to duel him, and he's Sir Griswold of McElwain. <laughs> yeah, Sir Griswold. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, everything about this, I can't even can't even hold it together. It was uh, distributed by Paramount, and it came out in January of nineteen. 19- Actually, it came out in January 1956 in the U.S. For some reason, it came out in December 1955 in Japan. Huh. That, that's, that's kind weird. of unusual. Kind of the other side of the coin, they, the budget on it was like $4 million for that era, and it only made $2.2 million, so it wasn't a moneymaker initially. It was kind of a bomb in the box office, huh? I, I think it's made it back over the years, but uh, I could watch this one every month. In fact, I don't even have to watch it to start laughing. God, uh, where to begin? Um, where to begin? I think I'll turn it over to you for a minute and try to get a hold of my uh, composure. Woo. Yeah, well, we could talk about the plot a little bit. So uh, the the kingdom has been overthrown, let's say that, by, uh, oh gosh, let me let me get all these people straight. So... Basil Rathbone plays Sir Ravenhurst, who's kind of plotting behind the scenes to take over the kingdom using um, Cecil Parker's character, King Roderick I, right? Is that right? Yes, that, he's the king of England and father of... Yeah, Gwendolyn. Gwen, Gwendolyn. And 
they think that they've killed off all of the actual uh, heirs to the throne, except that they missed one child who's got a very unusual birthmark. <laughs> the purple, the purple bunker, <laughs> yes. pumpernel, right? Purple pumpernel. Very distinctive. Uh. And so the 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 troop the troop of uh, sort of rebels is hiding out in the forest, led by the black fox. And they're going to be. They have this plan to overthrow this uh, false king, and of course, Danny Kaye's character gets mixed up in the middle of it. <laughs> He's the meek, mild-mannered Hubert Hawkins, who becomes a replacement for Giacomo the Jester, who's the John Carradine character, and he's also John Carradine's character is also an assassin. Yeah, he's been hired by Sir Ravenhurst to knock off uh, <laughs> Sir Griswold and Sir Loxley, and uh, yes, I think there was one other. There was one other person that he he wanted to kill. Sir, I, I'm not sure. There's, there's there's a lot of characters in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the characters and also characters. Uh, I thought it was kind of nice coincidence that that uh, Hubert Ho- Hubert Hawkins. And May Jean are in that place uh, getting ready for the evening when Giacomo just happens along because it's been raining. And then they realize, hey, we can switch people here. We'll knock him over the head. And Danny Kay, much to his own chagrin, decides he can be Giacomo. Ah, good evening. A thousand apologies for this set. Intrusion, but may I beg shelter and warmth from this miserable storm? Who are you? A stranger in this land, young woman, but not for long. I'm Giacomo of the continent, the king's new jester. The court jester? Giacomo? Giacomo the incomparable, king of jesters and jester of kings. Where are you from? Most recently, the Italian court. But I've entertained in all the courts of Europe and speak a ready wit in their every tongue. Hawkins, we are indeed honored that our humble hut should shelter one who tomorrow will be an intimate of the king. With access to his chambers. But how will they know you? Are you sure that no one at the castle has ever seen your face? Not yet, but I assure you, ere another sun has set, the entire court of England will succumb to the charm, wit, and song of the incomparable Giacomo, king of jesters. And jester... To the king. I'll take the child to the abbey. You must go to the castle at once. What? Quickly, into his clothes. Well, what are we going to do about him? I'll notify the fox. He'll be taken care of. Now, listen. Listen carefully. Once inside the castle, you must get to the king's chamber and find the key to the secret passage. The key to the passage, right. Then you must give it to the one man inside the castle who's our confederate. Confederate? You mean we already have somebody inside the castle? One of our own people? You will contact him by whistling our secret call. Whistle it, hum it, sing it. But I don't understand. If, if we already have somebody inside the castle, why doesn't he get the key? You'll understand when you see him. Now, he'll hear that and identify himself. Why can't you just tell me his name? Should they discover you, they might force you to reveal his identity. But I'd like to ask you one question. After months of pleading for just this kind of action, what makes you think that anybody, anybody could force me to reveal the identity of my confederate? Because they'd put you on the rack, crack your every bone, scald you with hot oil, and remove the nails off your fingers with flaming hot pincers. 
I'd like to withdraw the question. Yeah, Mae Jean was a great character because she was uh, she was part of the rebel forces and was really one of the leaders. And you know, it was kind of a gender switch, and it was it was interesting that Danny Kaye's character kept feeling like he needed he wanted to be part of the rebels and the black fox wasn't having it he, was, he, he needed to be back watching the baby <laughs> i like i like that that yes. switch around though that was good yeah uh, old old danny k and hubert hawkins was kind of the the uh the group's uh i don't know clown that'd be the right word yeah i'm not sure what his role was there like i guess <laughs> he kind of watched <laughs> things back at camp but he never went out to fight he was he was sort of a a milk toast, a very very withdrawn guy. But we find out that through the work and magic of Griselda, played Griselda, by, I love that name. <laughs> played by Mildred, Mildred, Nat- Natwick. Mildred Natwick's character. <laughs> Doesn't she hypnotize old Hubert? She does a couple times, and yeah. it's it's like it's great. It's after all, I am the incomparable Giacomo, king of jesters and jester of kings. I have entertained in all the courts of Europe and speak a ready wit in their every tongue. Who are you? I am Griselda. Griselda. Griselda, I bring you a message from the princess. Uh, the royal princess. She finds you most attractive and would like to meet you. Me? Yes, she finds you passing fair, passing graceful. Oh, well, I'll tell her thank you very much, but I'm <clears throat> just passing through. One does not ordinarily refuse a princess. Uh, well, one doesn't ordinarily, but you see. Is it possible there's someone else of whom you are fond? Uh, uh, yes, as a matter of fact, there is. Chakamu, would you look in my eye? I. Yes, it's been troubling me, and I thought that the great Giacomo would have a knowledge of science. Uh, uh, science? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I have a great deal of scientific knowledge. We have, uh, which I? Both. Look at them both. Closer, closer, deeper, 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 deeper. Tales of lizards, ears of swine, chicken gizzards soaked in brine. Now thine eyes and mine entwine, thy will is broken, thou art mine. Repeat after me, I am craven and thou art my master. I am craven and thou art my master. Stand there, fool. Stand there, fool. Silence. Silence. You are in my power and will obey my every command. Every command. And remember, any time I choose, a mere snap of the fingers can bring you out of the spell like this oh. and back like I that. Do you understand, fool? Yes, master. You can snap me in and snap me out. Now, listen closely. First and foremost, you must convince the girl that this is a miracle, that you've been sent here by the gods. To do that, you must go to her room and make love. Go and make love to the princess. The princess? At once. Wait, not like that. You are a figure of romance, of spirit and action, but at the same time, humble and tender. You are a man of iron with the soul of a poet. You are adventurous, gay, but with a lover's brooding melancholy. And above all, you must show passion. Mm-hmm. Show passion. <laughs> Not me, you fool. Now go. Make love. Climb the vine to the tower where your love awaits you. Stop. Above all, remember you must be cavalier, dashing. Fear not, master. Once I'm up the thorny vine, the regal maiden shall be mine. Oh. Fear not, master. It, it really it really is interesting because it makes it seem like he could be a hero if he just believed in himself, right? Like, he he can fight, he can be commanding presence if he wants to be, but he's just he's just not. He doesn't have the confidence unless he's under this hypnotic spell. I loved it when uh, 
the snap of the finger would bring him in of in into his character of Giacomo and out of it. So he was sometimes it was really sophisticated and a great swordsman, and other times he was <laughs> running around like he didn't know what to do. Oh, it was so God. confusing. To, it was so confusing to Sir Ravenhurst because because he's like, uh, it's all part. It must all be part of his of his plan, you know, to be to be kind of this buffoon. Uh, and, and it seems like from the outside that the Sir, Sir Ravenhurst's plan is actually working, but it's all just coincidence that all this is happening in the way that these different people think that it's supposed to happen. Yes, people are dying, and and uh, Lord Ravenhurst thinks it's Giacomo that's doing it, and it's all kinds of bizarre things going on. And um, I love Basil Rathbone because... He goes way back to those Sherlock Holmes movies and all kinds of other movies, and here he's playing this this uh, seriously uh, uh, bad guy. Yeah, I read that he was actually a really good fencer, and that he, he had the the reason that those fencing scenes look as good as they do is because of him. But he was getting up there in age, and so he couldn't do some of the more athletic um, things. So. When it was when it got to be more athletic, they would film from behind, and it was actually a stunt double that was uh, fighting oh. Hubert Hawkins. He was a very good uh, swordsman, and he was. Uh, if you remember the the movie Robin Hood from nineteen thirty eight with Errol Flynn, he plays the uh, dastardly henchman in that one, and and there's a wonderful sword fight with him and and Errol Flynn. Goes on for a long time. That was in his oh, youth, cool. so he was much better. At yeah. It. Although he did a nice yeah. job when he went off the catapult. <laughs> the catapult. <laughs> There's some funny, really goofy things like the catapult, and then whenever uh, Hubert Hawkins needed to get from one room to another, he would just swing on a rope on the outside of the castle. Yeah, it was always going downhill. <laughs> it was always downhill. <laughs> and he always ended up just exactly where he needed to be, just exactly when he needed to be there. Oh, I just this, oh my the I, the plot is there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of po- uh, plot twists um, and and I loved all the little sidebars like get it got it good he did that like three or four times he did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then there was one life could not be better be better be better be it could not possibly no sorcery yeah. <laughs> I think that was like one of the that was the song at the beginning and then of course the the one about the the poison is in the pestle. The... Oh, that that one. That's a classic. If I die, just pray that I die bravely. You will not die. You'll not have to fight him. Griswold dies as he drinks the toast. What? Listen, I have put a pellet of poison in one of the vessels. Which one? The one with the figure of a pestle. The vessel with the pestle? Yes. But you don't want the vessel with the pestle. You want the chalice from the palace. Uh, I don't want the vessel with the pestle. I want the chalice from the what? The chalice from the palace. Hmm? It's a little crystal chalice with the figure of a palace. Does the chalice from the palace have the pellet with the poison? No, the pellet with the poisons and the vessel with the pestle. Oh, the pestle with the vessel. The vessel with the pestle. What about the palace from the chalice? Not the palace from the chalice. The chalice from the palace. Where's the pellet with the poison? In the vessel with the pestle. Don't you see? The pellet with the poisons in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the brew. It is true. So easy. I can say it. Well, then you find it. Listen carefully. The pellet with the poisons in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the brew that is true. Oh, the pellet with the poisons in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the brew that is true. Good man. Just remember that. Sir Giacomo. Sir Giacomo, into your armor. And you to your place in the pavilion. 
pellet with the poison. The pellet with the poison is in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace is the true that is brewed. Uh, brewed that is true. The pellet with the poison is in the vessel with the pestle. The chalice from the palace has the true that is brewed. Uh, brew that is true. Uh, the chessel with the pal has. <laughs> but then, but then, what? I think the chalice breaks, and then, then you do want the the. <laughs> you do want the vessel with the pestle, but then also, Sir Sir Griswold also had the same uh, rhyme going around in his head. So I was like, are they both poisoned? Like. <laughs> 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 they were, and then they when were they try to get Danny, confused. and then when they try to get Danny Kay on the horse, <laughs> yeah, they had, was, a crane to get him. they had a crane. They had a crane. And then they forgot to unhook him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Oh yeah, that whole the movie from that point on was just like a roller coaster of like comedy. Really, that was written by Panama and Frank, the writers. I also enjoyed Cecil Parker as Roderick the King. Yeah, he was pretty good. He he just he wanted to marry off his daughter to that one uh, guy uh, that had a really terrible reputation, <laughs> Sir Griswold of McElwain. But then at the very last scene of the movie, when they're all together and and they've all kind of made peace, she's she's with him. So I guess she changed her mind or something. Maybe maybe he mellowed out, but he he looked. <laughs> He looked a little rough at the beginning. I tell you. Do you remember the? Do you remember the movie in the? I think it was the late seventies or early. It was Flash Gordon. Oh, I do. And yes. There was the Hawkman King, the guy that was the Hawkman. Yes. Um, yes. He that reminded the actor that did, played Sir Griswold reminded me of him. Oh, you're right. Now, I can't I have think to, of the name. I have to look the... it up now. Who that person was? I know who you mean. I can picture his face. Anyway, um, also liked it when King Roderick said that her, his daughter would go north, way north, way far away, because uh, she was driving him crazy, I guess. Brian Blessed is the guy's name. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. But yeah, I thought, boy, it look, really looks like him. So, um, Danny Kay, I, uh, enough cannot be said about Danny Kay. He... His uh, name was David Daniel Kaminsky, and uh, he had a lot of varied interests. He he was a uh, an excellent cook, a, an excellent golfer, flew on his own plane in his own plane. Owned a lot of businesses, radio stations. He owned the Seattle Mariners for five years in the nineteen. I saw that. That's cool. And he must uh, I wonder it. if he lived around here. He must have. I think so. He, he owned them. He owned the Mariners from 1977 to 1981, and he he was very active in charity work with UNESCO, United Nations Children Relief Fund. What a talented man! And his wife was was big in ter in terms of his career. Um, Sydney Fine, I believe her name is, and she was sort of like responsible for a lot of his uh, excellent work. What a what a guy! Every time I he see was, him, I laugh, even if he's not funny. I tell you, yeah, he he's got a great singing voice, and he's a good dancer, and he's just he can command the screen when he's on it. You just really just want to watch whatever he's doing. And of course, he was in White Christmas, which is one of our favorites. Oh, that we've reviewed that, haven't we? 
Yeah, we reviewed that one year, yep. So back to the plot, um, he's he's trying to make sure that the uh, bad king is replaced and everybody realizes that the uh, child is the rightful heir. And he's looking for a key for some. I can't remember what the key was all about. Well, I think the key was to open a passageway so that all the people could come in through that tunnel that was underneath, that ran underneath the walls. But then there was a cave-in, and and then they had to call back all the little people from the the troop that Danny oh, Kaye was originally right. a yes. part of. The so so then <laughs> I swear they had like two hundred people like in that big fight scene in the castle. Oh, they were flying all over that room. Yeah. And then they, they, they formed that like assembly line of like pushing them up the stairs on their legs and then out onto the uh, the rampart and then into the catapult. <laughs> they were yes. It was it was like an assembly line. You're next. Boom. Oh my goodness. I'm trying to find that one thing about the poison is in the pestle. It's under quotes, I think, under IMDb. It's got it's got that listed out. There's another one where he says, the Duke? What did the Duke do? Eh, the Duke do? Yes. And what about the Doge? Oh, the Doge. Hey, well, what did the Doge do? Oh, the yeah, Doge do? Yes, the Doge do. <laughs> when he first meets <laughs> the king, Roderick, yeah, they go yeah. through that th- whole thing. It was really funny. It, it is. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm just thinking of all the music that uh, life could not be better. Life could not better be. That's that's. It sounds like it's being spoken by Yoda. Yeah, it's like backwards talk. And then there's out out fox the fox. That's the one where he's dancing, and then all those people turn out to be uh, little people. I think. I think that's the opening song. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's the opening one. Yep. Oh, I tell you, uh, it it got nothing but outstanding, excellent reviews. I, you know, I haven't. I haven't understood how it could have not done well in the box office. I I don't I don't know. Did it come out in a year when there was a lot of competition? Like it it seems like a weird time of year to come out too. Like January is not like the best movie going time of year. Yeah, these days they would put it out in uh, like right before Christmas or you yeah know, early December. If I can get past the fact that it opened in Japan. Yeah, that's weird. But I, there must be there must be some reason. I maybe if we dug around enough, we could figure it out. But it just maybe it was just a bad time of year, or there was something else on at the same time, or people just maybe people just didn't think it was that good at the time. Although I find that hard to believe because it's really really a great movie. <laughs> See, I'm I'm laughing again. Just oh my goodness, and all the characters. I was trying to think if we'd left anyone anyone out. Angela Lansbury, she's very good and very. Beautiful as Gwendolyn. Um, the Black Fox. I, d- I didn't recognize the actor who played the Black Fox. Edward Ashley. But uh, I tell you. Yeah, I think that was everybody, really. Um, I, I I really thought, I had to look this up, too. I thought Griselda was played by the same actress that played the Wicked Witch of the West in, in uh, Wizard of Oz. Because <laughs> she kind of reminded me of her anyway. But it's not the same person. And and she reminded me of the housekeeper in White Christmas. Oh yeah. But I Oh yeah. I don't think it's the same person either. Remember that's the one that Bing Crosby 
kissed and then got, and went, oh, my goodness, and kissed her again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I swear. Um, it's uh, This movie, well, I, I think we've covered it. it. It turns out well in the end because they're able to smuggle the the baby king back in and they all take an oath of allegiance to the birthmark on his behind, including uh, Roderick and I think, didn't Raven, no, Ravenhurst did the catapult into the moat, so we don't know what happened to him. Yeah, Ravenhurst didn't make it out of the he castle alive. As far, well, maybe he was alive, but I don't know. Uh, he, he went the same way as Giacomo. We never really know what happened. Yeah, we don't really know. I thought there was some good matte painting work done where oh outstanding yes where they were when they were approaching the castle and it looked like they were really out on a cliff but when you looked at where they filmed it, it was all pretty much on a sound stage so and and it was beautifully done because uh, the matte was what that's what they had to work with in those days it looked so it looks it it integrated beautifully with the with the people on the sound stage now I don't think there was much of any of this filmed outdoors maybe a little bit at the beginning when they were on that cart yeah i might have been in the back lot in the the, there was a funny scene i forgot to mention i wanted to mention when um hubert hawkins and Maid jean were trying to smuggle the baby in that wine cart yes and <laughs> hubert hawkins was playing the old man that was hard of hearing and then they <laughs> yeah. get pulled over by the cat the cat the guard the king's guard and yep. they have that funny interaction where he can't hear anything. <laughs> that was that was good. He can't. But then when he he, he gets back into the car, he hops up there like a uh, Olympic athlete. Right, and the and the captain is kind of <laughs> he kind of gives him a double take, like what? Wait a minute! But then he just lets it go. <laughs> I the funny thing about his comedy, Danny Kaye's comedy, is. Sometimes it's it, it's a little slapstick, but I always find it to re, be really funny. I don't think I ever remember him doing something in a movie that wasn't that just didn't make me laugh like crazy. Gosh, yeah, he just embodies that character so well. It it was almost like it was a little bit of the same character in White Christmas. He's kind of this goofy guy that I don't know. It, it's yeah, he's really good. He's he's very physical, but at the same time, just a little twitch of his. Of his eyebrow is could be funny, you know. <laughs> I know, and his his use of words and mixing up the language. I was looking at a note I made. He he made I think twenty, a little over twenty. He made more than twenty films, and uh, I haven't seen them all, but the ones I've seen, I really enjoyed. And he had his own television show for uh, four or five years back in the sixties, the Danny K Show, a weekly uh, variety show. I vaguely remember that. Mm, that'd be funny yeah yeah. i could see him doing that so i i gave this a serious review and i gave it a 10 clearly wow i I can't (laughs) if i gave it a nine lightning will strike oh my gosh i gave it a nine you Um, did yeah i didn't i didn't quite go to the 10 i think but yeah i mean a nine is still really really good i'm beginning to wonder about my ratings because i gave this movie and them a 10 maybe i need to recalibrate my uh view i swear i i don't as we get as we get into more and more reviews you're 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 loosening up on your criteria (laughs) (laughs) or we're just hitting some real high points for you maybe that's it (laughs) 
So, uh, a 9 and a 10, not bad. It's a wonderful movie. I watched this with my friend on Friday, on a Friday. Uh, and I thought he was going to fall out of his chair. He was laughing so much. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> this is one I should try to get one, some of the kids to watch it with me. They might they might enjoy it once they got into it. And it moves pretty well. I mean, it it's different than the movies of today, but uh, it's in Technicolor and it's well done and it doesn't... I never felt that it uh, plotted along. It's about an hour and a half in length. It's not real long. Yeah, it's, it's in VistaVision, which looks beautiful. I, I appreciated that. That's just so. another name for CinemaScope, isn't it? Aren't they all kind of the same? Well, it's yeah, I mean, it's just different names for the widescreen color format, I think is the... It's kind of like IMAX versus uh, Regal has their brand of that, but yeah, it's kind of this similar thing. So that's the court jester. <laughs> yes. We held it together pretty good. <laughs> well, I did. Uh, yeah. I, uh, okay. Well, so we're gonna we're gonna do something a little different next time. This was a request that we had, and, and we're mixing uh, it up. Yeah. So what's up next for us? Want me to introduce our next film? Sure. We have been requested to do an Esther Williams film, and Esther did a lot of movies of all kinds, but we've selected after careful study and research. Dangerous When Wet, made in 1953, uh, Esther Williams, I think it was MGM, and uh, her co-star in it is Fernando Lamas. Fernando Lamas, uh, that's Remember awesome. Remember Fernando Lamas with Billy Crystal's 80s comedy? Uh, yep. It's better <laughs> totally. to look good than feel good? Sure, first of all, ask me, ask me. I gotta tell you, darling, from the bottom of my heart, you look... Impressive. You up close. I tell you, you look marvelous, darling. Thank you very much. It's fabulous, you know. And for me, I would rather look good than to feel good. And you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. uh, I watched... Well, and also, you, you mentioned that Tom and Jerry, are the cartoon characters, are in this movie. Yes. Uh, she does a rather long routine underwater with Tom and Jerry. And uh, I watched some highlights on it. There's a website that I went to called uh, www Real realrundown.com and I I looked at uh, previews for the three films that we were thinking about and this one just seemed like the best of the three so next time it's Dangerous When Wet awesome that'll be fun I don't think we've watched or reviewed any movies where there's choreographed swimming scenes so no you know, I, I read that Esther Williams was responsible, one of the leading people responsible for the Olympic events now with uh, those water acrobatic numbers. I forget what they call it. But that was partly because of her. Synchronized swimming, she yeah. She was so good at it. Awesome. So I think we'll Well, we'll we can talk more about that next time. Yes, we can. When we do classic movie reviews. And hopefully I won't laugh through the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've ever watched a full Esther Williams movie, so this will be a first for me. Uh, you're, you'll enjoy it. I, I think we picked the right one. She made a lot of movies. Um, I think this one is, is the one that our uh, requester was most enamored with. Cool. Our mystery awesome. requester. <laughs> our mystery requester. <laughs> um, yeah, so if anybody else has requests, uh, leave a comment in uh itunes or facebook or on our website and again you can find us at www.classicmoviereviews.net and we'd love to 
you know, hear what you think of the show, hear your ideas for future movie reviews. We're coming up on 100 episodes. Maybe we could do something uh, special for our 100th episode. So, yeah, let us know what you think. And if you're in iTunes, give us a star rating. That helps get the word out about the show. So coming to you from sunny, warm Seattle, which is really weird, but that's what we've got. Uh, This is Matt Johnson. And here in cloudy and cool Los Angeles, Bob Johnson, wishing you all happy movie watching. Hold, Sir Griswold. Hold your men. Sir Griswold, I speak to you as night to night. When you were dubbed, you pledged your hand, your heart, and your sword to defend the true king of England. Is that right? Well? This man is not the true king. He has usurped the throne from the legitimate heir. Heir? What heir? He who bears the mark of the royal bloodline, the Purple Pimpernel. Purple Pimpernel? Balderdash, no such person exists. My goodness, I <laughs> you know, I laughed at this in a com- for a completely different reason than Plan Nine from no- Outer Space, which was on public television here Saturday night. <laughs> oh right, you so, you texted me about that. That's so funny. <laughs> I watched that again, but the laughter is generated for an entirely different reason. Oh boy. <laughs>